faith in God. Say faith in God. You have to have faith in God. Now, this is not an intellectual belief. This is not a belief that he exists. This is not a conscious belief. This is not saying, I know that there is a God. That is not what faith is. When the scripture tells us to have faith in God, it is trying to get us to understand his system, understand his Godhead, understand that everything that he is, and have faith in that. Once again, it's not a conscious faith. It's not an intellectual faith. It's not a faith that he just exists. We're not here to, we're not trying to acknowledge him. We're trying to believe in him. It is going to be about us trusting him, about us relying on him, having confidence in him, confiding in him, coming to him with our situations, our circumstances, and putting them at his feet because we know that he has the answers. Last week, we talked about having faith in God's systems. You have to have faith in his systems. Us being God's children, we can't create our own system and say, and sign God's name off on it. It will be like my children coming to me and I set a rules and regulations, this is what time you go to bed. They come to me and tell me, well, we thought, I come to them and tell them, I want you in bed by 10. They come to me and tell me, well, we thought, you know, it'd be better if we went to bed at midnight. What just happened? The parent, the kids just did, the, just tried to change the system of the parents. In the same way, God has a system. He has systems. And the systems only work according to us having faith in them, us believing, us following through. He has a system on how to be blessed. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, or stand in the way of the sinner, or sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. He gave us the system. Meditate on what I say, and you'll be blessed. But he said, I would not bless you if you what? Stand in the seat of the sinner or sit in the seat of the scornful. If you don't delight yourself in my law, there's no blessings there. Blessed is the man, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, which means the moment I get poor in spirit, blessings are released to me. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for you will be filled. If you're not filled with the blessing, then that means what? There's no hunger there. There's no thirst there. So we have to make sure at all times that we are on his system and not our own. So last week we talked about having faith in God's systems. You have to have faith in the Godhead. Not that the Godhead exists, but there's a functionality there. The Father does a certain thing. The Son has a position. And the Holy Spirit does a certain thing. You don't want to just have faith that they exist. You need to have an understanding. What is the purpose of the Father? What is the purpose of the Son? And what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Once you get that understanding, now you can have faith.
It's not just intellectual. It's not in the, in, in a faith in him existing. You have to have faith in the new birth experience. Do you really have faith that you have been born again? That your spirit is in Christ? That you are his child? Is that the way that you think? Is that the way that you act? Is that the way that you react? When situations and circumstances arise, what do you believe? Do you believe that I'm his child or do you believe that I'm his servant? Do you believe that he is for you or do you believe that he is against you? You have to have faith in God. Do we believe in the adoption process? Do we believe that he has pulled me out of the orphanage and right this very moment, even today, he is raising me, he is nurturing me, he's admonishing me, he's chastising me so I can become who he predestined me to be? Do we believe that? Do we believe that we are his beloved? Faith. Do we believe that he has a plan for our life? How do you... If you do believe, then that means this. You're seeking his face. You're carrying out that plan. It's going to be one of them days. Y'all drunk in the spirit. <laughs> do we believe in sanctification? Do we believe that he has set us apart for spiritual growth? Do we believe in glorification? Do we believe that we have the right, listen to me, that we have the right to carry his presence wherever we go? That's what that means. When he says he has glorified you, that means he has endowed you with his presence. He wants you to carry his presence right here on earth. When he said he has sanctified you, that means he has pulled you out the orphanage and he has made a decision. I'm going to raise you to be who I predestined you to be. Do you think that you're justified? Do you believe that you're justified? That you are right in his sight right now? Not because of what you did. Not because of what you have done. But just because you're his child. Or do you think that there's something that you're going to have to do in order to be right in his sight? If you believe that there's something that you are going to have to do to be right in his sight, then you don't have faith. In God, you have faith in your thought process. You may even have faith in religion. You might have faith in the law of Moses, but you don't have faith in God. Do you have faith in salvation? Do you really believe right now that you are saved from the penalties of sin and death? Do you believe that you have a right to be prosperous? You have a right to have great relationships. You have a right to be healed. Faith is a walk. It's a walk. It is a lifestyle of us being dependent upon the Father. It's a lifestyle of us being dependent upon the Father and his systems. This is not a lifestyle in which we can walk according to what we think. The Bible says walk by faith and not by what? Sight. Ain't that something? 
So you mean to tell me God is telling me in order for me to believe in him, I have to lose my vision. I have to lose what I see. I have to lose what I think in order to have faith in him. Our first scripture on the day is going to come from John 4, 24. I'm just talking to you. The title of the message is have faith. Faith in the Holy Spirit. Have faith in the Holy Spirit. And this is what we're going to do. We did have faith in God's system. Now, we're going to teach on having faith in the Holy Spirit, having faith in the Son, and having faith in the Father. Typically, I would do it, have faith in the Father, then the Son, then the Holy Spirit, but I did it backwards for a reason. Because this is the Father's plan. This is not Jesus' plan. Jesus is the one that said, have faith in God. <laughs> this is not Jesus' plan. This is the Father's plan. Jesus said the Father sent him. Have faith in the Holy Spirit. So John 4, 24. God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, it takes faith to worship a spirit. The scripture lets us know what? That God is a what? God is a spirit, which means what? You can't see him. You can't see God. It takes faith for you to have to worship a spirit. God is a spirit. He said those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It takes faith to worship him in spirit. It takes faith to worship him in truth. Now, to worship him in spirit means that you have an understanding that I am like him. When he says worship him in spirit, he's letting you know, you are my child. You have my DNA. When you worship me, you, are, you can only worship me because you are like me. You can only come into my presence because you are one with me. Worship him in spirit. And then he wants you to worship him in truth, which means you have to understand his plan. Truth is his plan, which means this. You have to have faith and an understanding that your whole life is a lie. It's a lie. What you thought was right, what you thought you should be doing, is a lie. Until you do what? Worship him. We're not talking about a religious worship. We're not talking about uh, 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 the worship that David did when he danced out his clothes. We're not talking about that type of worship. We're talking about the worship that Jesus did. We're talking about worshiping the Father. David didn't worship the Father. David worshiped God. We're talking about a worship in which you come to the Father with these plans, with this in mind. Make me like you. Worship, the place of worship is a place of impartation. It's not a time for us just to come to him and tell him how great he is. How many of y'all know God know he's great? <laughs> he know he's awesome. 
He know he's amazing. He already know that. He's not narcissistic. He's not waiting on Oda to tell him how great he is so he can do something for him. He's not waiting for Chris to tell him how glorious he is. He already knows he's glorious. Matter of fact, he made the covenant and the contract with a bunch of weak, frail humans. He wants to encourage you. He wants to give you him. So as a man, when I go into worship, I'm, Father, teach me how to be your son. Teach me how to be a husband. Teach me how to be a father. Teach me how to walk like a king, how to talk like a king. Teach me how to love. That type of worship brings impartation. There's no impartation for you just telling him how good he is. He already knows that. He's here to be a father. That's why Jesus said, worship who? The father. Jesus didn't say worship God in spirit and truth. That's not what he said. That's what we do. But that's not what he said. He said, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. But you have to have faith that he's your Father. You have to have faith. Hebrews 11 and 1 says this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the substance Faith is the substance of what you hope for, which means this. Faith has to always be active. Faith has to be seeking something because it's only the substance of what you hope for. What is it that you hope for? If there's nothing in you hoping for something, then there's no need for faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you have to be asking. That's why the scripture said, ask and I will give. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. There has to be a desire there in order for you to use faith properly. And the other part of the scripture is this. It is the evidence of things not seen. So what you're hoping for can't be something that you see. I can't hope for a Gatorade and I got one right here. That's not faith. Now, if I hope for one, and then someone just walked in the door and brought me one, that's faith. If I don't have possession of it, if it's not in my reach, if it's not in my grasp, if it's not in my bank account, if it's not in my home, if it's not in my intellect, and I desire it, and he, how many of y'all know this? This is how I know faith works. This is how I know worship works. Try it. In any particular area of your life, go to the Father and ask him for wisdom. And watch him give you wisdom in that area. Ask for wisdom as a parent and watch him give you wisdom. Ask for wisdom as a husband, as a wife, in business, with money. You'll ask for wisdom and you'll notice that you'll go to make, you'll ask for wisdom and money and you'll go to do something with money and he'll stop you. <laughs> do this instead. You'll ask for wisdom and parenting and your child will do something. They'll make a mistake, they'll do something good and he'll tell you how to respond to the child. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but it's the evidence of what you can't see. God, when God gives you wisdom, you can't see that exchange. You can't see that impartation. This is a faith system. This is totally bent on you not having it and needing it from him. When you were born again, how many of y'all here born again? I need to know for the altar call. <laughs> I'm just playing y'all. <laughs> when you were born again, all right, you entered into a spiritual relationship with a spiritual father, with a spiritual family. Now you are called to live from a spiritual world. That's why the scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible to please him if you don't have faith. And that's crazy because he's basically telling you as long as you believe in what you see, you can't please me. You're going to have to give up what you see in order to come to me. You're going to have to give up what you think. Your wisdom is no good in the kingdom. Your wisdom is accumulated from what you learned, what you read, what you studied. That's what your wisdom comes from. You make decisions based on what you think. And he's trying to tell you, I don't want you to do that anymore. I want you to let me lead and guide you. Let me instruct you. But it's going to take faith. Verse 2 says, for by it, the elders obtain a good testimony. Now, how many of you know that when Abraham was told to leave his home and go off into a land that he had no Bible to receive instructions from? God told him to leave and take his family and go to a distant land. Matter of fact, he didn't even tell him to go to a distant land. He told him to go. I'll tell you when to stop. He had no Bible. He had no pastor. There were no scriptures. There were no scriptures. There was no Bible when God told Noah to build an ark because it's about to rain. And they had never seen rain. But he has to build an ark while everybody looking at him crazy. Like, dude, what is you building this ark for? There has never been rain on earth. What am I saying? The whole, he made the book. The Bible, the scripture says that by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. He obtained a testimony from God, Sierra, by Hearing God's voice and just doing what God said. This is faith. By faith, verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Now, it gets even crazier because he's saying by faith we understand. But faith is the substance of things we hope for, but in the evidence of things that we can't see. So in faith, we have to hope for it, but we can't see it. He turns around and says, by faith, which is wanting something and not seeing it, we understand. 
So when you learn to trust in his world, he said, then you will understand. So he said, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now, typically when you hear this taught, we say that the word of God is speech. No, this is substance. This is material. If I can give you an analogy of the Godhead, and I, could, and I can give you a, a vivid picture of how it works, it would be like building a house. We're going to use the Godhead, like building a house. The Father designed the house. The Holy Spirit builds the house. The Son is the material that the house is made out of. So the father designed it, but then he said he created all things through Christ, and without Christ, nothing exists. The scriptures say that Christ holds all things together. That's why the Bible says that he framed, the world was framed by the word of God. Everything holds together by Christ. That's why before he said, let there be light, you got to think of it like this. If the Bible said that all things were created through Christ, for Christ, and without Christ, nothing came into existence. When he said light, he was revealing Christ. When he spoke of the trees, it was revealing Christ. Christ is the material that the trees were made out of. But before he did that, the Bible said that the Spirit of God hovered. So the, Spirit of, so the Holy Spirit is designed to hover over anything that is created in God, that is created in Christ. So when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you became one with Christ, and then the Holy Spirit came upon you, just like the creation. All right. So he says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were made by things that we can't see. So what does this mean? That if you want anything in this world that you can see, he said you need to come and talk to what you can't see. The curse of Adam is this. He only got to manifest what he's seen. The curse of Adam was to work from the ground. That's why I told you, it's a difference between a job and work. Work is what you're created to do. A job can bring you a paycheck, but what were you created to do? That's the question. What am I created to do? And the only way you can find out what you are created to do is you have to seek what you can't see. So you have to have faith and what you can't see. You can't see the Holy Spirit. But you just felt it, didn't you? <laughs> you just felt the Holy Spirit. You just felt the presence of God in here, but you can't see it. Faith in the Holy Spirit starts with us understanding the functionality of the Holy Spirit.
Acts 1 and 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses in both Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now, this scripture is telling us what? That you will receive power. It didn't say you might. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, I just told you, you can't have faith in anything until you understand the functionality of it. Until you know how it works, you can't have faith in it. The scripture just told us that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to get power. But it also told us that when you receive the Holy Spirit, it comes upon you. Now, that word power is the Greek word for dynamis. It means three things. It means a lot. Uh, in the definition, it means a lot, but I'm going to categorize it into three categories and go back in the Greek, study it, read it. I don't want y'all to believe nothing I say. I want this to be a study in church. Study the word. Don't stand here. Don't come listen to what I say, but then don't study. Because studying is, is the thing that ignites your faith. When you know for sure what God is saying, then you can have faith. Most people, most Christians, they have faith in what the preachers say. Because they don't study. That's why the Bible says study to show yourself approved. I know the stuff. Study to show yourself approved. I study to show myself approved. I told them in the Bible study that this church is going to flourish. All right, it's going to flourish. And you hear on Facebook all the time how the preacher is taking people money. How many of y'all heard that? Why is it that the church got all the money and the people broke? Y'all know why? I'm gonna tell you why. Because in order to start a ministry, you have to pray, fast, read the word, study the word, you have to fellowship, meaning you had to be in ministry, all right, and you had to give. You had to do that to get a ministry. So, and so if you had to do that to get a ministry, you understand how to keep a ministry, to do those five things. It's called what? Practicing righteousness. The reason why the preacher has and the people don't have is because the preacher is in his calling. And his, this is his calling. This is his business. But if you take those five things and do it for your business, <laughs> it works for your business. If you took your calling if you took your predestined purpose and you fast, you study, read the word, you fellowship, you give, and you pray, then you'll be prosperous. 
But most people come to church, they hear what the preacher is saying, and half time they don't even study it. Half time they don't even use the information. And then they go back home and then they come back. They have an offering, but they're not practicing righteousness. So while they're coming and going, the, the offering is accumulating. People are steady coming in, putting in the offering, paying tithes. So it looks like the preacher has money and the people don't. But that's not the case. The case is the people are not doing what they're supposed to be doing and the preacher doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's in his calling. So if you want to have, you have to have faith that the systems work. Prayer works. Fasting works. Reading and studying the word works. Fellowshipping, it works. Giving, it works. Those are God's systems. As long as you do those things, you'll be prosperous. I had somebody just call me and told me somebody gave, they've been practicing righteousness. Somebody gave them a house. You have to have faith in this. If you attend this church, look, faith is a walk. It is a walk. It is a participation. It's not something you say, I got faith. No, it is something that you do. And if you have faith in God, that faith should control your life. All right. So, the word power that is given through the Holy Spirit, once you get it, I broke it down to three categories. The first category is gifts. All right. The second category is growth and development. And the third category is angelic presence if the, or host. You can write host or you can write angelic presence. So, gifts. When you receive the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit comes gifts. Gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of discernment. Gifts of the word of knowledge. Gifts of the interpretation of tongues. Gifts for performing miracles. All this comes with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm telling you this because so you can have faith in the Holy Spirit. Because when you lay your hands on someone, it's the Holy Spirit that has the power, not you. So gifts are power for, power for performing. It is power for performing. It is strength power. It is ability. You can look in the Gospels, you can look in the book of Acts, and you can see in the scriptures where miracles were performed, right? Amen. Then we have growth and development. Now, this is the initial purpose of you getting the Holy Spirit. It's for growth and development. The Holy Spirit is a sign to your soul. The Holy Spirit is a sign to your soul to conform you to the image of Christ. This is the initial or the sole, really the sole purpose of you needing the Holy Spirit. 
It is moral power and soul excellence. It is power and influence that belongs to riches and wealth. You need the Holy Spirit. When you, get accept, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me run this back again. Okay, okay. You are a spirit. You are a spirit. You live in a body, but you have a soul. All right? Y'all got that? You are a spirit. You live in a body, and you have a soul. When you get saved, you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The new birth happens at the spirit level. At the spirit level, you are one with Christ. But now, your soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, it is your mind and your heart. That's what makes up your soul. All right? It is your aversions, your appetite. That is not saved. That's why the Bible says it needs to be renewed. Your heart needs to be cleansed and your soul needs to be purified. This is the job of the Holy Spirit. This is the job of the Holy Spirit to renew your mind, to cleanse your heart. The Bible said that he sent the spirit of his son. He said, because you are sons, because you are sons, I sent the spirit of my son into your heart so you can cry out my father. The soul is where the adoption takes place. You're already born again. You've already been pulled out of the orphanage, but now the soul is where the adoption takes place because he needs to change the way you think. He needs to change the way you feel. He needs to change your appetite because the Bible says if you're going to be blessed, you're going to have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. When you first get saved, you're not hungry and thirst for righteousness. You're not hungry or you thirsty for righteousness. You're hungry and thirsting for what? The things the flesh want. Amen? So the second thing is growth and development. You need the Holy Spirit for growth and development. You need to seek the Holy Spirit because your soul needs to grow. Your mind needs to be renewed. The third reason is, well, no, I got a scripture for you. When Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, I spoke like a child. But then he said, when I matured or when I became a man, I put childish things away. That process is sanctification. That is the process the Holy Spirit is there for you for, is to take you from being a child to a mature person in Christ. The Holy Spirit job is to marry the soul with who you are spiritually. So spiritually, you are Christ, but your soul isn't. So spiritually, I'm Christ, but my soul still thinks like McKinley. The job of the Holy Spirit is to take, is to remove McKinley out the way so we can be one. The last one is angelic presence or host. A host is an organized army of angels. It is power consisting in or resting upon armies, forces. So when we talk about angelic presence, we're talking about the army of God, the military part of the spiritual realm. Now, I say this often. The devil is not the opposite of 
the Father. He's not the opposite of the Father. He's not the opposite of the Son. He's the opposite of the Holy Spirit. The job of the Holy Spirit is to come upon you, to hover you, in order to influence you. The more you receive what the Holy Spirit is telling you, you become one with the Holy Spirit. Your soul becomes one with the Holy Spirit. This is the same job of the devil, is to hover over you. That's why the Bible calls him the prince of the power of air, of the air. Because his job is to hover over you and influence you. So just like you can be in the Spirit, and you can feel the Holy Spirit. You can feel the presence of God. You can feel liberated in his presence. The same thing happens when you're depressed. It's the devil. He hovers over you and he whispers things in your ears telling you you're nothing. You're going to fail. You're never going to get this right. You're always God don't love you. And he does all this to depress you, to oppress you. On the other hand, the job, the Holy Spirit is always telling you that you are the righteousness of God. You are God's child. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. God loves you. You are his beloved. Imitate your father. Angelic presence. That's all the devil is. The devil is an unemployed angel. He was an angel. The Holy Spirit and the angels are pretty much one. That's why when the Bible says that the Holy Spirit led Jesus in, into the wilderness to be tempted and tried of the devil for 40 days. The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. After he was tempted and tried for 40 days, the Bible says that the angels came to minister to him. They're associated. When Daniel prayed, the angel came and told him, we heard you praying. 21 days ago, he said, but we was in a fight to take your prayers and get them to the throne. When, they, when Peter got put in jail, the saints are over here praying and an angel come and pulls Peter out of the prison. The Holy Spirit and the angels are one. The Holy Spirit is not just a spirit, it's a ministry. Even when Mary, when God wanted to impregnate Mary, he sent an angel and told her, you are about to be filled, I'm about to place Christ in you by way of the Holy Spirit. Angels and the Holy Spirit are one. If you read 2 Kings chapter 6, Elijah, which is a prophet, he's with his servant. His servant comes outside one day and notices that they are surrounded by an army, and this army is looking for Elijah, Elisha. The servant asks, what are we going to do? Elijah says to him, now, this is some foolishness, all right? Elijah says to him, now, this, this servant is looking at all of these, these soldiers surrounded around about them. Elijah said to him, there are more for us than against us. <laughs> That's what he says. There are more for us than against us. And you know, the servant is like, what you looking at? It's just me and you. Elijah says, prayed and said, 
open his eyes so he can see. God opened his eyes, and when he looked on the mountains, it was nothing but chariots of fire and horses. He seen something totally different than a servant. He seen God, the servant seen earth. Angels and the Holy Spirit are one. Holy Spirit is more than a spirit. It's a ministry. You have a whole entire ministry at your behest. When you pray, it sends angels. If I pray for Sierra, angels show up at her door. They only have to knock. They write their ministering to her. She don't know what's happening, but we need to understand what's going on behind the curtains so that our faith can be effective. We don't pray because we don't know what's happening. That's what he gave us the word for. You can see it through the word, all through the word. When we pray, angels move. All right, we're going to leave. Gonna, let's keep going. All right. All right. So now, after we learn the functionality of this, like I told you, when we're talking about power, when you got the Holy Spirit, you got power, which means you have gifts, you have the ability to change your morals, you have the ability to become uh, excellent in your soul, and you have the army of angels with you at all times. So, Romans 8 and 14 says, for all who, be, who are being led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Now, it's easier to be led by something when you know what it is that's leading you. When you have an understanding of what is, what is leading you, it's, it's easier to follow. John 14 and 26. Still talking about the Holy Spirit. You got to have faith in the Holy Spirit. If you don't have faith in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can accomplish nothing. In your life, rather. Verse 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Now, we're going to do a whole teaching on all things because there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible that says all things. It says all things belong to you. It says you know all things. All things work together for the good. If you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all things will be added to you. You need to understand what all things are. It says he will teach you all things and bring you and bring to your remembrance all that I said. So now, the first thing that he lets us know is that the Holy Spirit is a helper. It's a helper. All right? The Greek word for helper is paracletus. Now, that word para is a suffix, is a suffix, a prefix. Is a prefix, which means alongside, which means with. Now, it shows up in our society in different ways. If something is parallel, what does that mean? Did they run concurrent by each other? If you have a paramedic, what does that mean? Someone who helps the doctor. They're not the doctor. They're just helping you till you get to the doctor. If you have a paralegal, a paralegal is not a lawyer. It's someone who helps the lawyer. Because you are in Christ, the Bible says he sent you a helper. The Holy Spirit is there to help you. That's why the scripture says that the Father will send him in my name, which means he's going to represent me. 
The job of the Holy Spirit is to do what? Is to make sure that your soul is aligned with Christ. So he said he's going to send the Father in my name, which means he's not going to come in his own name. If I send somebody somewhere in my name, that means when they get there, they're going to say what I said. So he says, the Holy Spirit whom the Father was sent in my name, then he says this, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So to teach means he's going to impart instructions. He's going to instill doctrine. He's going to explain, explain and expound on spiritual things. Why? Because you were born again. When you were born again, you were born into a spiritual kingdom. Who adopted you? The Father. God adopted you. You got adopted by a spirit. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You got adopted by a spirit. It wasn't a physical adoption. So in order for you to, to, to get an understanding of, of how this adoption takes place, you're going to have to spend time with him. You're going to have to get an understanding of what this means. Then he says, I will bring all things back to your remembrance, which means he's going to recall to the mind. Now, he told them he's going to bring to their remembrance all that he said to them. With us, he's going to bring all to our remembrance that we study. That you hear by way of teaching and preaching. The Holy Spirit is going to bring all this thing back to your remembrance. The reason why it's hard for people to pray with understanding is because they think that they have to remember all these scriptures. Study the scriptures. The Holy Spirit will bring the scripture to your mind in prayer. What you need to pray for. It is the Holy Spirit's job. You learn, he brings it back to your remembrance. When you get in a situation and circumstance, he shows you what it does the scripture say. Even as I stand right here right now, you think I remember this stuff off the top of my head? No. The Holy Spirit is bringing. Why? Okay. Have you ever worked with a PowerPoint? Anyone ever worked with a PowerPoint and seen it? And how you got the PowerPoint that's up there on the screen, but then the next one is right here. You can see the next one, right? That's how it works. That's how it works. So you're praying or you're preaching. While I'm preaching, while I'm teaching, he got the next scripture right here in the back of my mind. He's telling me, this is what I want you to say next. <laughs> That's how it works. He brings all things back to your remembrance, but you have to have faith in that. The Holy Spirit has a job to do, and that is to conform our souls to the soul of Jesus. Romans 8.29 says, for all he foreknew, he did predestine to do what? conform be conformed to the image of his son how is that going now you got to think of it think of this if paul says that everybody that the father foreknew so he knew you before you knew you right he said that he predestined so he predetermined he gave you a destiny before he sent you to earth before you were born you had a destiny how do we know that the scriptures he told Jeremiah that, didn't he? I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. I appointed you prophet over the nations. So you had a destiny beforehand. 
So he says for all he, he said everybody that he foreknew, he predetermined that they will be conformed to the image of his son. So if he, if, if he predetermined that, then that's what he means when he says that he's going to watch over his word until it's performed. Now, why do I say that? Because I needed to get out your mind that sin is going to get you taken out. That when you sin, he's going to kill you. No, he's watching over his word to make sure it is performed. He knows that you need to be conformed. Why, how does he know that? Because he knows the situation in which he adopted you. <laughs> he knows how you were before he brought you into the family. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit. Because he know, if, look, if, if I don't give them the Holy Spirit, how are they going to learn? Well, the Bible said the Holy Spirit is going to teach you all things. Mm. All things. So this is the job of the Holy Spirit, is to give us the mind of Christ. This is the job of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says it is out of the heart flows the issues of life. You have a past mind, you have a present mind, and you have a future mind. In your past mind is everything that happened to you before you came into Christ. Your present mind is everything that you're going through today. But the future mind is glorious. It's a mind in which you are, you have the mind of Christ. This is what he's trying to do. John 16 and 13 says this. But when he, still talking about the Holy Spirit, but when he, the Spirit of of truth comes he will what guide you so the holy spirit is going to teach you all things going to bring all things back to your remembrance the holy spirit is the spirit of truth and he's going to guide you and then the scriptures tell us to be led by the spirit what is what is why is all these things in the word so that we can what have faith in the holy spirit says he will guide you into what? All truths. All the truth. For he would not speak of his own initiative. So he's not going to come to you and tell you nothing on his own. Initiative means the ability to assess and initiate things independently. So he's letting you know that he's not going to speak independently. Everything that the Holy Spirit is going to tell you is going to align you with Christ. Y'all eating? Okay. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose, disclose to you what is to come. Truth. The Holy Spirit comes to reveal the Father's world. He comes to reveal the Father's plan. Truth, by definition in the Greek, is God's executions through Christ. Look it up. Look it up. By definition, that's what truth is. It is the execution of God through Christ. His plan through Christ is what truth is. Look it up in the Greek. So he's going to take his plan, his execution, and the scripture says that the Holy Spirit is going to disclose it to us. He's going to speak it to us, and he's going to guide us through it. Because look at this. Faith is understanding what's going on behind the scene. That's what faith is. Faith is understanding what's going on behind the scene. Like I say, you need to understand what happens when you pray. 
If you don't understand what happens when you pray, you'll stop. You'll stop because you don't understand what's going on behind the scene. We went to Orlando, Florida a couple weeks ago, and I got a chance to go to the kingdom of chocolate. And I got a chance to see the origin of chocolate, and then I got a, a chance to walk through the factory and actually bake my own candy bar. So it was a different experience when I ate it. <laughs> you get it? It's a different experience. When you walk behind scenes and the scene and you see how it was made, and then you eat from that. It's totally different when you go pick it in the store. You didn't see none of how it was made. That's why I don't drink milk. You ever seen how, how milk was made? Don't do it if you like it. If you like milk, don't do it. You see all the pus and the blood that they, no. But, it's, it, but that's how things work. If you knew what was going on when you sin behind the scene, you wouldn't do it. I know a guy who was in a homosexual lifestyle. He was having dreams. In the dreams, uh, a, a demon had him pinned to the wall upside down. What was God showing him? This was going on behind the scene. You in this lifestyle, but this was going on behind the scene. Faith is spiritual sight that proves that you were blind. Faith is spiritual sight that proves that you were spiritually blind. I had a, a conversation. I ain't got that much to go. I had a conversation um, with a friend of mine, and I made a comment about homosexuality, okay? And... She said to me, she said, you don't really believe that, do you? And I was just telling her, I'm like, you know, anything that God tells us to do is about community, okay? It's always about community. It's never about self. So anytime you make a decision and you're not looking at community, it's selfish. Everything that you do in a family environment, it affects everybody, all right? And so I, I was just, you know, having a conversation because I don't have a, anything against people in the lifestyle. I just can't promote it. All right. So she, I made a comment and she said, you don't really believe that, do you? Now I'm about to show you, I'm about to show you the difference between being spirit, having spiritual sight and being spiritually blind. I said, yeah. She said, no, that's wrong. I said, well, let me ask you a question. You got kids? She said, yeah, I got a boy and a girl. I said, would you tell your son it was okay to, I didn't get to finish. She said, no. I, I asked her, so would you raise your son, I think her son was like six, would you tell your son it's okay to do that? She said, no. I said, well, you don't believe in it. <laughs> you don't believe in it. You tolerate it, but you don't believe in it. She said, I never saw it like that. Eyes open. Now you see it like God see it. She was spiritually blind. She didn't see. 
not understanding that if she kept agreeing with it, it automatically opened her kids up to it. Same thing with porn. You know what the Greek word for porn is? I mean, you, you know what porn, porn is a Greek word for fornication. That's what porn, porn is the Greek word for fornication. If you look up fornication in the Bible and you look up the Greek definition, it's a porno. They don't know that. They got, it's a billion dollar industry. And the billion dollar industry built on what? Pornography. It's built on what? Fornication, which is against God. Why? Because they don't understand. They don't have spiritual insight. They don't see it how God sees it. They see fornication as saying this. Watch this. This is who I want to have sex with. God sees it like this. Until y'all have the same name, that's your, bro that's your sibling. Faith is spiritual sight that proves that we were spiritually blind. All right. The Holy Spirit reveals to us the truth about our Father's world, even with money. He has a system on money. This is what you do with money if you want to be blessed with it. The Holy Spirit reveals to us, look, don't do that, do this. The Holy Spirit, if you're going to have faith in the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to hear him and be led by him. So there's a truth about everything. There's a truth about praying in tongues. 1 Corinthians says this. 1 Corinthians 14, 18 says this. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Hmm. Now, why would Paul say that? Why would Paul say, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all? Because he had an understanding. This is the person, this is the apostle of the New Testament. Who says, who wrote three-fourths of the New Testament says, I pray in tongues, I speak in tongues more than you all. That wasn't supposed to happen. Why would he say that? Because he has faith in the Holy Spirit. Not only that, watch this. Sierra, he understands what's happening behind the scene. Romans 8, 24 says this. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. So we're right back in faith, right? So you can just replace faith in there. For in faith we have been saved. But faith that is seen is not faith. For who hopes for what is already seen? So what is he saying? Who has a Gatorade and says, I hope I had one? <laughs> I wish I had a Gatorade. No one does that, right? So there's no use to, lose, to use hope on something that you have. All right? Verse 25 says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we persevere. With perseverance, we eagerly wait for it. So faith does produce what? Patience. 
Verse 26, this to me. He says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. Talking about the Holy Spirit. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So he's letting us know, even in our prayer life, the Holy Spirit, which we can't see, assists us. It says, for, for in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray. So what happens is, you don't know what to pray, but when you pray in tongues, the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit knows what needs to be prayed out through you. He knows what's going on in your family. He knows what's going on in your vessel. He knows what's going on with your children. He knows what's going on on the job, with your purpose, with your destiny. And the more you pray in tongues, it's equivalent of angels just walking through opening doors. This belongs to you. This belongs to you. This belongs to you. He knows. That's why he said, I pray in tongues more than all y'all. Because he has an understanding. What happens when I pray in tongues? It's a reverse. What happens when I don't pray in tongues? I'm only praying and understanding. So what that means? That I'm only touching heaven by the stuff I understand. <laughs> Which is what? Absolutely nothing. All right. Naturally, it looks stupid. To walk around your house and go, but in the spirit realm, you look like a genius. <laughs> Naturally, it looks stupid to be walking around your house praying in tongues for hours. Catherine Kuhlman, if you ever heard him, look, look her up. Uh, John G. Lake, if you haven't heard of him, look him up. And Smith Wigglesworth. If you haven't heard of them, all of them had dynamic ministries. Catherine Kuhlman's ministry was so powerful that she, if she stayed at a hotel, everybody got healed in the hotel. People would just check in the hotel and get healed because she was there. She said the strength of her ministry was two things, fasting and praying in tongues. I'm giving y'all the recipe. I'm giving it to you. This is the strength of her ministry. But you don't do that unless you have faith. It's some stuff that, when we turn off the mic, it's some stuff I'm going to tell y'all that I won't tell them. It's some stuff I prayed in tongues about and God, let's keep it moving. All right. Okay, let's talk about fellowship. Fellowship. Because it's an important part of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13 and 14 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, why did I give you that scripture? Because you need to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to say this after I said that. You can't say you have faith in the Holy Spirit and don't fellowship. Just like you can't say you have faith in marriage and don't spend time with your spouse. You can't say you got faith in marriage and don't spend time with your spouse. You can't say you have faith in being a parent and don't spend with your kids. You see what I'm saying? So faith is what? It's an action thing. It's not something you say. And I want to really remove that from Christianity. It's not something you say. 
I got faith in the Holy Spirit. What's your proof? Paul said, I show you my faith by works. I pray in tongues more than all y'all. First John 1 and 2, fellowship with the spiritual family. Because you need to fellowship with the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, you need to fellowship with your spiritual family. Because just like you pray in tongues, you pray in understanding. One is for the spirit realm, but one is for the natural realm. All right? You have a natural family and you have a spiritual family. Your spiritual family builds you up. You have to fellowship with a spiritual family. That's the only way you grow. You can't grow hanging out with darkness. You can't grow at the crib watching videos on YouTube. You just can't grow like that. All right? You have to fellowship with your spiritual family. This is how you grow. With prayer, with fellowship, and also even with, um, well, I'll get, I'll get into that. First John 1 and 1 says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. So they're saying, look, we have tried this thing and we, can, and we know it works. Look at it. It says what was from the beginning, we have heard, we have seen, we have looked at and touched. Verse 2, and the, life was man and the life was manifested. And we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Verse 3, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. So we've tried this. It works. So that you too may have fellowship with us. That's what the whole purpose of ministry is. I tried it. God said, okay, you've tried it. I've caused you to do this. In your success, I want you to start a ministry so we can try it together. Amen? And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 4, these things we write so that your joy may be full. We have the fellowship. There's two sides of, there's ministry on earth and there's ministry in heaven. Praying in tongues is ministry on earth. Praying in understanding is, praying in tongues is ministry in heaven. Praying in understanding is ministry on earth. Fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, with the Father, with the Son, that is ministry in heaven. Fellowshipping with the saints is ministry on earth. The job of the Holy Spirit is the same job that's been given to the fivefold ministry. The whole purpose of the pastor, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, and the prophet is to conform you to the image of Christ. That's the same purpose of the Holy Spirit. But the whole purpose of us doing it in the natural is to teach it to you. We do it in the natural so you can learn the Spirit. Amen. So, Ephesians 4 and 30. Now, based on that statement I just said, the fivefold ministry does it in the natural so you can understand it in the spiritual. So, when you're in your private life, you can do it in the spiritual. Ephesians 4 and 30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. So now, how can you grieve the Holy Spirit? By not allowing the Holy Spirit to conform you to the image of Christ. 
By stopping the Holy Spirit from doing his job, you grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to fellowship with you. When you wake up, the Holy Spirit wants to fellowship with you. When you're riding in your car, the Holy Spirit wants to fellowship with you. When you're at work, the Holy Spirit wants to fellowship with you. And when you don't allow the Holy Spirit to fellowship with you, you grieve the Holy Spirit. All right. Hebrews 13 and 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they watch over your souls as, though, as those who will give account. Let them do this. Let them do this, which means what? You don't have to let them. Let them do this. Let them do what? Conform you to the image of Christ. That's the whole purpose of coming to church. And so you can be conformed to the image of Christ. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. For this would not be, for this would be unprofitable to you. So it is unprofitable for you not to come to church. It is unprofitable for you to come to church, hear the word, and don't practice it. It's unprofitable. It is unprofitable for you to hear the word and not do it. It is unprofitable for you to not have faith in the Holy Spirit. This is what you do. You grieve in the Holy Spirit. It is unprofitable for you to not have faith in the spirit realm, but have faith in sight. It's unprofitable, which means what? You don't profit from it. There's no profit in the spirit realm for not showing up to church. There's no profit in the spirit realm for trusting in people more than you trust in God. There's no profit. There's no profit. It's unprofitable to you. All right. Have faith in the Holy Spirit. Have faith in the Holy Spirit. We're going to stop it right there because I can go all day.